pray. Jesus, we are overcome. We are laid low. We are in awe of your incredible love for us, your people. Lord, we, we, we came with nothing, nothing good in our hands. We came with nothing, nothing good in our hearts. We came with nothing that we could see that would put a smile on your face. And yet, Lord God, you came. You loved us. You redeemed us. You called us to yourself, and you call us your family. You call us your children. God, we just pray that as we come before you in your word this morning, that we will see your name glorified. We'll see your name exalted in every way we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. Hope everybody's doing well this morning. It's good to see so many folks in the house. We need that second service. Amen? Now, some of you may not believe this. We're going to turn to uh, Hebrews chapter 10 in just a second. But some of you may look at me and not believe this. But when I was a teenager, I was extremely skinny. You're laughing. What are you laughing about? I was, I, I mean, I was extreme. I was so skinny, I don't know how to describe it. I had to run around in the shower just to get wet. I was, I was skinny, funny looking skinny. Those of you who've been to my house and seen some of the old pictures, you know I'm not lying. I was that skinny. But I always wanted to gain weight. I always wanted to get big. Not just get, get big, but get husky. And uh, so I knew there were like two things I needed to do to do that. And I did one of them very well. I ate like a pig. I would eat, whenever our, our family had spaghetti, I'd eat three plates of spaghetti piled up high over the plate. When I would go home from basketball practice, I would stop by McDonald's, get four cheeseburgers. They only cost like 33 cents back in the day. Yes, I'm old. And, and I'd go home and eat dinner after my four cheeseburgers. I ate like a pig all the time. But I didn't gain any weight. And I didn't get strong and big and husky. Because the other thing I needed to do to gain weight and to gain that kind of weight was to lift weights, do push-ups, work hard, do stuff like that. And I didn't do that part. I did the eating part, but I didn't do the hard work part. And today we're going to talk about Christian Growth 101, living in Christian community. That is often the hard work part to help us to grow in Christ. Let's look at Hebrews, the 10th chapter. I'm going to read a few verses here, starting in verse 19. The scripture says this. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, 
let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Verse 23, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. Today I just want to make two points and then at the end we're going to also look at a little presentation on Christian community and what we want that to look like here at Epiphany, but, but just two points for this sermon. The first point is this. God has called you to come close. God has called you to come close. Look at verse 22. The Lord says to you and he says to me, let us draw near. God invites us to draw near. When I was a kid, I used to watch The Price is Right. Anybody know The Price is Right? Bob Barker back in the day. Now, he, he went a long time. I think it's Drew Carey now or somebody else. But Bob Barker would be up there, and, and, and they'd need a new contestant, right? And what would they say? They'd say, come on down. If they said, Joel Gaines, come on down. And he'd be up in the top and he'd run down, right? Waving her hands, getting all excited. Oh, I'm the next contestant on The Price is Right. I'm so excited. I might win a washing machine. I might get some furniture. I might get a trip. They were so excited. But Jesus says to you and he says to me, come on down. Come to me. Commune with me. Be with me. That's our invitation. In the whole book of Hebrews before this, the first nine and a half chapters, God is laying, the writer is laying out for us what that means. Who is this Jesus that bids us to come near? And, 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 and Hebrews says he's greater than the angels. The angels are something else, but oh, he's, he's immensely greater than them. Oh, there were some good prophets in the Old Testament. Oh, they spoke the word, but he is the word. Moses was wonderful. He led you through the Red Sea. But don't you know that Jesus is greater than Moses? He's greater than the Sabbath day because he is your Sabbath rest. He's greater than the priesthood. He is the perfect high priest. He's greater than the best offering because he himself is the once and for all offering for you. He's greater than the old covenant. He's not only the new, the new covenant, but he's the better covenant. He's the perfect covenant. He's the eternal covenant. So he lays all of this out for us in these first nine and a half chapters of Hebrews. And he says, let us draw near. Rick Warren says, you are as close to God as you want to be. Think about that for a second. He's come all the way. One of my favorite movies, and people just look at me like, you're so stupid, Larry. Why, why is that one of your favorite movies? But I just like it. Hitch. Anybody know the movie Hitch? I just think it's funny, y'all. In Hitch, um, Will Smith 
is teaching Kevin James how to romance a woman. I feel so much like Kevin James, just, I don't know nothing, but I have a beautiful wife right over here, so I don't have to romance any other woman. I romance her for the rest of my life. Glad to do it, too. But in the movie, he's teaching him how to do the first kiss. Does anybody remember that? How to do the, and he says, he says, what you need to do, you need to pucker up, and you need to come 90% of the way and stop. And let her come the other 10, and then it's on like popcorn. Now, aren't you glad that Jesus didn't say, I'm going to come 90% of the way, and then you've got to come the other 10? He came all the way. He, he tells us to draw near, but it's not because he's, he's not here. He can't be found. He's far away. I've got to grasp him somewhere else. He says, I'm right here. Lo, I will be with you always, even to the very end of the age. Jesus is here, but he says, draw near to me. I'm right here. He says, let us draw near. We're as close to God as we choose to be at any given time based on our obedience to him our walk with him our desire for him God has called you to come close I'm going to get to my second point right now let's read verses 24 and 25 he says and let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. God says, let us consider, let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works. My second point is this. God has commanded you to come together. So the first point is that God has called you to come close. The second point is that God has called you to come together. Rick Warren said you're as close to God at any point as you choose to be. And I would say based on this scripture that how close you are to God is revealed by how close you are to his people. We can't say, oh, I'm tight with Jesus. We're getting it in all the time. I'm, I'm studying, I'm reading, I'm praying 18 hours a day and have no community, no life with others, no growth with others at all. We're just, we're just lone ranger Christians doing our thing, talking about how spiritually beasty we are. And God says, no, 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 no. Don't, don't neglect coming together. You need to come together in true Christian community. I love the fact that these verses start, verse 24, he says, let us consider, let us think about, let us contemplate about this. Some of you know my wife and I, were getting ready to move into a new house very, very soon. We're, we're kind of halfway moving, 
Um, we've been in one house for 21 years. Longest I've ever lived in one place. So it's weird moving somewhere else to a new place, a new community, new neighbors, all this stuff. Now, I don't know why people are laughing, but we're actually, we own a, a, tw a twin home, and we bought the other side of the twin, and we're moving into the other side of the twin. I don't know about this neighborhood, man. It's freaking me out a little bit. But we're setting up the house, and wife finds one room, and she said, this is my room. I said, oh, praise the Lord, it's the bedroom. No, 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 no. This is my room. I said, ah. And she calls it the contemplation room. I said, oh, wonderful, the study. She said, no, 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 no. No, no. It's not the study. It's the contemplation room. And I know wife has already spent much time in the contemplation room. Pray for me, y'all, when she's contemplating. But contemplating is meditating on a thing. And so before the writer jumps into the, these verses, he says, consider this, contemplate it. Let's think about it. How can we stir one another up to love and good works? Interesting word he uses there for stirring up. It's only used one other time in the New Testament. And the other time it's used, it's used in Acts chapter 15 when it talks about Paul and Barnabas having a sharp disagreement. Same word. Let us stir one another up. Some old translations say, let us provoke one another to love and good works. Let, let, us, let us duke it out with each other. Let us take the gloves off and really get in the mix with one another and in each other's lives. Discipleship and, and Christian community, if it's real at all, is often not real pretty. It's not real pretty because we're getting involved. Most of us, I would say all of us, have things and parts of our lives that we just want to kind of section off. I'm going to let you see this. Oh, you like what you see. That's wonderful. But, but there are parts that, that you don't belong. You can't come. We even do that with God, don't we? We invite him all the way in except here and there. But the reality is, when we're out of Christian community, often God's not going to get there because it's the community that provokes us, that stirs us up, that moves us to those parts that we would otherwise neglect. So that's the reality of Christian discipleship. Now, I'm on Facebook, but, but I'm no expert. But I always see this thing, and it'll come up from time to time. It says, do you want to poke? I don't know about all that poking stuff. I look at that and say, no, I don't want to poke. Be because I don't want to be poked. So, so I'm not going to poke you. Please hear me, Facebook friends. Don't poke me. I don't know what that is, but I don't want to be poked. It seems like it might hurt. I have a fireplace. I have a poker. Don't poke me with that either. I don't want to be poked. 
But the reality is in Christian community, we need to poke each other. We poke one another. We prod one another. We push one another. We stir one another up to love and good works because if we don't stir one another up, ain't a whole lot of love and ain't a whole lot of good works going to happen. We're on our own. We're by ourselves. We can have a great pity party, but it doesn't necessarily get much done for the kingdom of God. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the German, great German theologian pastor who died as a resistor of the Nazis, he said this, cheap grace is the grace we bestow upon ourselves. Cheap grace is the preaching of forgiveness without requiring repentance. It's baptism without church discipline. It's communion without confession. He says, cheap grace is grace without discipleship. It's grace without the cross. It's great grace without Jesus Christ living and incarnate. Living in close proximity and with intentional relationships in the gospel doesn't yield cheap grace. It, it brings us into the community of believers. It shows us just how costly it is sometimes to walk with Jesus, to walk out this life. But in doing so, the Lord is glorified in and through us. Look back to verse 24 again. It says, let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some. The word there for habit is the word ethos, the Greek word. Now we, we use the word ethos in, in the English language as well. And ethos means something like, it can be a habit, but, but a custom or a law or or something that guides our beliefs and ideals. Ethos, like the ethos of this group, what kind of, um, I, I guess the other word would be stees, right? See, I don't know much about stees, but somebody said they were checking out my stees. I said, where are my keys? Where are my keys? But um, stees, ethos. Check, what, what's characteristic of this people? What are they like? What are their ways? And he says... Don't neglect meeting together. It's, it's, the, it's the ethos of some. It's, it's the way they do life. God says, no. Our ethos, our way, what characterizes a growing Christian is that they don't neglect meeting together. They're coming together early and often, over and over. It is the lifestyle. It is the way. Acts 2, 42 and following talks about the early church gathered in Jerusalem coming together daily and from house to house. We see that throughout the New Testament, that pattern of life together. It's life together with one another and with Jesus. We need both. 
not, not one or the other. 1 Corinthians 12 talks about the church as the body of Christ. Many different parts, one body. Many parts. Now, if I was to just look at, at this group of people and we're going to say we're one body of Christ, we have different parts. I, I might look at Pastor Doug. Most of you know Pastor Doug and say, what part of the body is he? Most likely the mouth. Pastor Doug is the mouth. Now, if I, I saw Sister Ashley. Sister Ashley's laughing. Ah, Pastor Doug. What are you, Sister Ashley? <laughs> Sister Ashley might be the hands. She's working. She's getting it done. It's all over the place. I saw Sister Christy back here. Yeah, you too, Sister Christy. Yeah, keep looking down, smiling, taking your notes. See, but, but that's because Sister Christy's the feet. She's going to run and do the work that needs to be done. But then I look at my brother over here, Johnny Cupcakes, it says on his shirt today. I don't know why. Brother Octavius, man. What is Brother Octavius? Well, what if Brother Octavius in the body of Christ is, congratulations, brother, you are the pancreas. pancreas how come I'm the pancreas no one wants to sign up and say make me the pancreas but I tell you what if anybody here knows about type 1 diabetes then you need your pancreas to operate right because the pancreas of all the things it does one of the things it does is supplies insulin insulin to the body you know when, how much you need a part of the body when it's not working anymore. We take for granted parts of our body that are working just fine, but when it shuts down, a part that we can't see, a part that doesn't look like anything, doesn't sound like anything, a pancreas for goodness sakes, but when it's not working, it can shut the whole body down the church is the body of Christ and we need every part of the body to work and to do its part in community if I take one part of the body away from the body there's no longer life in that part of the body the body continues to live but it can't operate optimally anymore because it's missing Apart, it needs something else to help it even get by. Brothers and sisters, we're the body of Christ. I'm going to do a PowerPoint in just a second. Well, let me, one, one more quote. It's from a book called Total Church. It says, by becoming a Christian, I belong to God and I belong to my brothers and sisters. It is not that I belong to God and then make a decision to join a local church. My being in Christ means being in Christ with those who are in Christ. This is my identity. This is our identity. He says to live, to fail, to live out 
Our corporate identity in Christ is analogous to the act of adultery. We can be Christians and do it, but it's not what Christians should do. If the church is the body of Christ, then we should not live as disembodied Christians. My prayer today, my desire today, my hope today is that together we will begin to see the importance of coming together in Christian community. We, we gather together uh, on Sunday mornings and, and we worship together and we hear the word together, we fellowship together and it's individuals coming from all over the place. My hope and my prayer is that more and more it won't just be individuals coming from some place, but it will be a pancreas coming together in the body, which is made up of a whole group of cells and a, and a bunch of different parts. It will be a group from West Philly coming strong in the house, a group from Logan, a group from New Jersey, a group from Drexel, a group from Temple, a group from all over various parts of our city and region coming together not just as individuals, but as groups, as parts of that body to worship God together. And so we are beginning what we're calling life groups. We've been doing cipher groups for some time, and God has blessed that ministry. He's blessed the labor and the effort that's gone into it. And so all that we're doing in transitioning now to life groups is we want to build on the wonderful things God has already done, but we want to be very intentional moving forward about coming closer to being a, 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 an expression of the body of Christ. So we're going to look at a few things that we'll do as life groups. I'm going to read a statement here. What is a life group? Epiphany Fellowship life groups are small communities of faith where the gospel is lived out intentionally. They are the place where we meet weekly for study, worship, and prayer and interact daily in caring, sharing, service, and recreation. Life groups are the place where we are challenged to give of ourselves to others and blessed to receive from others when we're the ones in need. Life groups are where the body of Christ becomes manifest as a living and life-giving organism in neighborhoods all over our city and region. So this is not just a meeting that I go to on Wednesday night or Tuesday night or Monday night or Saturday afternoon, but this is a group of people I'm covenanting to come together with and do life together with them in the name of Jesus Christ and for His purposes. going to go through a few things that will characterize life groups. The goal, first of all, of life groups. Really, there's just one goal. Because there's one goal that God has called us to as His church. And that is to make disciples. Now, when we do that, we also glorify God in His beauty and splendor. But He calls us to a task. That is, to make disciples. And life groups are a bullseye point for doing exactly that. So the goal is to make healthy disciples. How do we do that? 
becoming the main place for living out the one another's of the New Testament. I'm going to look at some of those with you in just a minute. We'll just go through a list of what it means in the New Testament to love one another, care for one another. And secondly, reaching our communities for Jesus Christ. We're called to do both of those things. Here are some of the one another's in the New Testament. Just want to read through them. Think about that. Consider what it might mean in your life. Jesus says, a new commandment I give you, love one another. Romans 12.10, honor one another. That sounds good, but the last part is hard, above yourselves. You can't do that by yourself, can you? <laughs> you do that in community. 1 Peter 3 says, all of you live in harmony with one another, be sympathetic, love as brothers, be compassionate and humble. 1 Thessalonians 5, live in peace with each other. Romans 15, 7, accept one another then, just as Christ has accepted you in order to bring praise to God. You know, there are some people that don't get much acceptance and love in a lot of different communities. I remember when I was in junior high school, now we call it middle school, but that's a tough place, man. If you're a little bit different, if you're a little bit awkward, if you... If there's anything about you, it gets pointed out right there, right? I had a friend. His name was Leonard Futterman. No one wanted to be Leonard's friend. Leonard, we were in seventh grade. Leonard had size 14 shoes. Leonard had some big feet, man. But Leonard was a cool dude, but he was a little different, and he had a funny name, and no one wanted to be with Leonard Futterman. But he was my friend, and I thank God that, that, that we were able to have a friendship. But in the body of Christ, that happens all the time. There's someone who's a little awkward, who's a little different, who doesn't quite fit in. But the scripture says, accept one another as Christ has accepted you. We care for each other. Not because they, they're cool and can hang with us. But as Christ has accepted us. When you come together, I don't... Uh, i to go with that last one, because I don't like 1 Corinthians 11.33. When you come together to eat, wait for each other. Ouch. Jesus. Come on, hurry up. But wait for each other. Help me, Jesus. More one another's. Carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you fulfill the law of Christ. Ephesians 4. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing one another in love. 1 Thessalonians 5, build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. He's commending the church at Thessalonica. Build each other up. Someone came to me not too long ago, and they were complaining about a particular thing. And my admonition to them was, I, I understand what you're saying. I hear where you're coming from. I'm, I'm tracking with you right there. But right now, be a part of the solution to that. Don't just complain about the problem. And that's what he's saying. Build each other up. Don't talk about each other and, and how jacked up you are. Guess what? We all need to join the jacked up club. But we build one another up in Jesus Christ. And then James says, even confess your sins to each other. Not 
I grew up Catholic. Doesn't say confess your sins in a little booth to the priest. We have a perfect high priest, Jesus Christ. He's making intercession for us. But part of our growth in Christian community, part of our growth in spiritual life is that we have, I know that I need to have, I desperately need to have some brothers in my life that I can put it all on the table with. The ugly, nasty, behind-the-scenes struggles that go on in my mind and in my heart. I need to have some people in my life I could just put it out there with. Confess that thing. And they'll pray with me and I'll pray with them. And we see the Lord build us up. So that's what He calls us to do in this church together. Now, talked about the one goal is to make healthy disciples, but three emphasis in these groups. The first one is being gospel-centered. We want these groups to be gospel-centered. Now, with our cipher groups, we've done that, and I actually believe that we've grown in that over time. We grew from just being um, centered on a, on a, a, a kind of high-level Bible study which has its place and can be a good thing, but really to be gospel-centered, that is applying the truth of Scripture to the realness of my life and your life. So in being gospel-centered, we're applying the cross of Jesus Christ, the resurrection power of Jesus Christ, His perfect life and all that He is and all that He's done for us to life. So these groups are centered around and looking at the Bible often. And the Bible is our rule of life and, and what informs our action and words. But we're centered on the gospel. Secondly, these groups are community building. And I'll say we've done a good job sometimes through our cipher groups and sometimes not as good of a job. Um, I haven't known anyone in any of the groups that we've had that you know, complains and says, well, yeah, when I go to the meetings, they're jacked up and they're no good and, you know, I never get any word or anything like that. I've never heard that. People generally really uh, appreciate and have appreciated what happens in those groups. But the problem is, and I'll just give you an example of the group that I've led for a little bit. In Logan, we probably have 30 to 35 people who are a part of that group at one time or another. And any given meeting, we may have 15 or 20 people there. But the problem is that there's not a real consistency, and it's not necessarily we're committed to one another, but, you know, if this week is good, maybe I'll go to my group. And what we really want to do, make the groups a bit smaller, but also have people committed to those groups, committed to one another, to care for one another. So we want them to be community building. And lastly... This is something I don't think we've done a great job of in our group so far. Being missionally engaged. What does that mean? It means that if I have in my back pocket a syringe with, a, with this, the serum for a disease, and you have that disease, it means I take that syringe out and now I am going to poke you. I'm going to put that in your arm, and I'm going to put that in your body because that's what you need to live. 
as, as believers in Jesus Christ, we believe in a real heaven. We believe in a real hell. We believe that outside of Jesus Christ, we face eternity away from God in hell. And I'm not going into a big theology about hell right now, but we have the antidote. We have the serum, and it is in Jesus Christ. And so how can I say I'm a healthy believer? How can I say I'm a healthy group when we get together all the time and we have fun and we eat and we do all these things and all around us in our lives at the grocery store, our next door neighbors, students we're with in class, people we work with, they're lost, they don't know Jesus and we're doing nothing about it. So by the grace of God we are saying these groups, if we're going to be healthy, we're going to engage through prayer and through a lot of different ways our communities, those that we love and care about with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Some distinctive and differences of life groups from what we've been doing in the past. First of all, many more groups, more times, more types of groups, more places. We've had four groups for quite a while now. Now we're going to have 10 as of the beginning of October. 10 groups, different types of groups. If you're on Drexel's campus, there's going to be a group right on Drexel's campus. If you're at Temple, a group right on Temple's campus. If you're at PBU, a group right on PBU campus. There's a group just for married couples, not for couples that want to be married, but just for married couples. There are a lot of groups for all kinds of different folks. Haven't had a group in New Jersey for a while. There's going to be a group in New Jersey. Can I get something from New Jersey at all? Okay, yeah. All right. New Jersey is in the house. Okay, just want to make sure. Dang. Different types of groups, different times. Just Wednesday, 7 o'clock. That's when Cypher groups met. There's a group meeting on Monday, there's a group meeting on Tuesday, there's a number of groups meeting on Wednesday, there's a group meeting on Thursday, there is a group meeting on Saturday. Different times, different places, different ways of doing these groups. So, secondly, no geographical boundaries on participation. So, if you live in Delaware County, but you really, I mean, there's someone and there's a group of people you really want to be with and they're in New Jersey. If you want to be a part of that group, be a part of that group. Go where you want to go. Be a part of a group that you want to be a part of. We want to encourage you to do that. Now, I think most people will probably say, well, closer is better. But it could also be that I can't meet on Wednesday night and the, the group that meets close to my house meets on Wednesday. But there's a group that meets on Monday. I could go to that one. So you could go to a different group. Um, and, and lastly, this says holistic group life. So it's not just a meeting three weeks out of a month. But it's worship, it's prayer, it's study, it's fellowship, it's recreation, it's being on mission together, it's service. And I use the phrase at the end, I, I wish we'd really get this phrase, it's living with gospel intentionality with one another. In other words, we, we are living on purpose for Jesus, and we're doing that together. We're making that kind of commitment. Lastly on here, specific commitments to the group. 
one of the things we go through our core values here at Epiphany. And one of our core values, and I think Pastor Nyron brought this up yesterday. Uh, the pastors, we were away on Friday night and Saturday, spent some good, long time together. It was a blessing to be able to do that. Um, but as we were talking through core values, Pastor Nyron brought up the fact that one of the things we're not necessarily real good at around here, and it's maybe part of our ethos, <laughs> is the value of commitment. Commitment. It means I said it and I'm going to follow through on it. It means that when it gets hard, I'm going to press through it. It means that you know, I'm in this ministry, and I'm not just all of a sudden just not in this ministry anymore. Where did he go? Where did she go? I don't know where they are anymore. But it, it means making a real, genuine commitment to something. Um, and I'm going to wrap up in just a minute here. Some, somebody said that, you know, when you have bacon and eggs for breakfast, the chicken or the hen that laid the egg, they're involved in your breakfast. But the pig that supplied the bacon is committed to your breakfast. I'm not, I'm not asking for people to be pigs, don't get me wrong. But we need, we need that kind of commitment. We need commitment. So we're going to ask you to be committed to these groups. Someone asked me, well, what if I just happen to be in West Philly, my group is in Northeast Philly, and what if I happen to be in West Philly, can I just go to that group? The answer is no. K-N-O-W, no. Wait, that's N-O. All right. You can't go to another group. We want you to commit to a group of people, to a place, to grow together to know each other. That's going to take time. We'll have a semester schedule our first time through. You'll just be going from October to the middle of December. And then we'll, we'll continue to do that as we go on. We'll, hopefully we'll be expanding groups, more groups. But all of these are the types of things that will allow us to grow together, to grow healthy as a body of Christ. I just want to do a quick video presentation for you to get a look at what we're praying for in our life groups. Here we go. Let's pray. Father, once again, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, that you are the great high priest. You are both the priest and the sacrifice. You are God Most High, 
the one who speaks, the psalmist says, and the earth melts like wax. And you are also the one who your word says, a bruised reed you won't break, a smoldering wick you won't put out. Lord, many of us are bruised reeds. Many of us are smoldering wicks. We feel like we're at the end. God, I pray that we would draw near to you, as your word says, and that, Lord, we would not neglect coming together as well, that we would draw near to one another to give of our lives to others and to receive as well the nutrients and the strength and spiritual vitality that we need. Lord, glorify your name in our midst. We thank you for these things, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.